Welcome to another edition of the Fern Podcast on the Radio Simply Network. I'm your host, Michael Duggar. And after a week, both of us took off, joining me, at least for the first half. We'll see how far this we can take it with NFL and sports talk in general. Him and I, with this, with this guest, his gracious guest, taking time on a Thursday afternoon in Tallahassee, Florida, is Noah Hemer. Noah, how are you doing in the NAST? I'm doing well in the NAST, you know. Um, I was kind of boycotting the the Roboto's on Pensacola Street because after they remodeled, they weren't that great. Um, so I hadn't been there in a while. Um, I've currently gone four times in the past week because they are on. They're f- hitting it lately. It's great. So I'm doing great. Had monks yesterday so, too. Wow, it was. It's been a great one-two combo. I hate you right now. Um, you're getting that. You're getting that spring break bod in order for Nebraska. <laughs> so. Oh yeah, we're we're at full <laughs> tilt right now. All gas, no brakes, if you know what I mean. <laughs> oh man, that's great. Uh I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> um I yeah, we used to go to the Rabatos on Tennessee, but my brother scolded me very he's like that's not the original. You don't go to that one, even if it's more convenient cuz they're literally for people who don't know Tallahassee, the Reservados are literally two miles away from each other. They really are. But the original one has the OG Cooks. That's what I've been told. Wait, is the Pensacola Street know. one the OG one? Is the Pensacola Street one right by your house? Yeah, by the square. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the OG one. Oh, I, tch, makes sense. Did you try the samurai shrimp and chicken? No, I have not tried the shrimp and chicken. Ah. That's what I think I'm going to do this weekend. Gotta get that scrimp, and you still get the panhandle with the with the fried egg. Yeah, and it was probably the best panhandle I've ever had yesterday. The Matt Duggar special, baby. My older brother started that. Nice to see the tradition still carrying on. Like the like they say in Game of Thrones, there must always be a Stark and Winterfell. There must always be one person getting a fried egg panhandle in Tallahassee. So, <laughs> win. I mean, we're talking about Tallahassee food stuff because this week has been. I mean. Not week, week plus. It's it's not a dead period for sports per se, but you know, people who aren't NBA obsessive like me, it's not really the most. It's not the most story storyline driven time, but because the combine just started, and it's on ABC now. I don't know if you saw that. Literally, ABC is is hosting the draft combine. This is a football country to the core. If you haven't realized it yet, because um, ABC dropped dropped the bag, dropped a lot of money. To literally watch guys in spandex and sliders and skin tight tank tops run forty yards and then do some skill drills, so and see how much they weird. can lift, bro. It's always about how much you can lift, bro. Oh yeah, and hand size. So the combines <laughs> produce <laughs> the combines produce a lot of not a little, not a lot, just like tidbits, little media things, stuff like that. And of course, the NFL media is going to run with it. All media in general is going to run with it. So it's, it's what it's what they do. I'm not, I wouldn't say we're part of the media yet. Um, I mean, I write, so I guess I am, but that's another another story for another day. So where do you want to start with this? Because the end, I mean, today there's just like a news dump of over of like just mini stories that could create some conversation. So do you want to start with Kyler Murray 
Jason Witten, Robert Kraft, on a more serious note, do you want to start serious? Um, Demaryius Thomas is dressed on uh, vehicular assault. Um, Wait, what? You didn't hear about that? No. That's where I, I want to start. I mean, it's not, it's, not, it's not like anything to like dive into, but free agent, former Broncos great, half season with the Texans, wide receiver coming off a of torn Achilles. Demaryius Thomas is facing a felony charge of vehicular 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 yeah i like saying it slow. i don't know why assault stemming from a car crash earlier this month he was arrested wednesday after turning himself in and was also held on allegations of reckless driving and not having proof proof of insurance both of them are misdemeanors and he was released from jail on thursday to continue it he was involved in a crash on february 16th a few days after he was released by the texans and a statement laying out the reasons for his arrest police said thomas was driving over 70 miles per hour in a 30 miles per hour zone twice twice legal limit at around 12.20 a.m. near downtown Denver when his SUV went off the road, flipped end over end, hitting a median. He says he's alive, luckily. The SUV landed on its wheels, and one of two passengers su- suffered serious injuries, document said. Um, yeah. I mean, not, not, I don't feel like there's anything like a lot to comment on with that. but Just Sounds like he's driving like he's in GTA. Yeah, sounds like he's a receiver coming off a career-threatening injury with no team and no income for the next couple months next couple months guaranteed and this doesn't help his case at all. So I mean, I don't really know like I said, not really something we can like comment on in depthly, but it's just, just drive careful. And then la- I mean, dude, you you heard about Jim Be- Jim Beheim last week, right? Oh yeah. I mean, he killed literally you know that Anchorman scene? Brick killed a guy. Jim. Jim Jim killed a guy. Like, with the trident. <laughs> I shouldn't joke about this stuff. I'm sorry. Uh, it's almost as bad as my Kaepernick stuff from two weeks ago. Uh, oh, my God. But, that was... I know. Just drive... Everyone... I mean, just drive safe. Don't drive... Nothing good at... It's the one thing that Skip Bayless says that I agree with, kind of. I, I guess, like, two or three things. Nothing good happens after 2 a.m. Oh, that was not from... I think that was from How I Met Your Mother, actually. It is definitely a How I Met show. Your Mother reference. For some reason, I just pictured Skip Bayless pointing at Shannon Sharp or Stephen A. saying, nothing good happens after 2 a.m. But it was the homie Ted Mosby, a.k.a. Tommy Hemer. Shout out to you, Tommy. I know you don't listen to this. But, uh, yeah, that's just a story. We're just We're just here reading the news. Slow news week. Shout out to the ringer as well. Um, yeah, I mean, do you want to start with the comedy article? Yeah, There's Kirk Cousins. There's Antonio Brown. Oh, generating some. Where do you think he's going to go? I mean, what do you think is going to happen with Antonio Brown? All right, we're we'll just jump right into that. Uh, some things I've heard, read. I shouldn't say heard. I I, I love sounding like I'm an NFL insider sometimes. Uh, <laughs> Some things I've read suggest that, and John Dorsey's comments, just that the Browns may and should just offer their uh, first-round pick at 16, just for, just, just like that. Could you imagine him in Cleveland, how that literally changes the whole division, even more so than it already will? They're one of the few teams that can afford to take on the kind of salary that he has. Is a wide receiver room 
absorbing over 30, around 30 million of your cap space of Antonio Brown and Jarvis Landry worth it to you? No, I don't think, I think paying those two, I mean, personally, I don't love the idea. I, I'm not a big Jarvis Landry fan. I think he adds some value to the offense, but I think his stats look better than his performances. And I rather my players' performances look better than their stats. Um, but Antonio Brown, if you get those two together, um, plus this receiver draft is just so deep in talent. Um, and David Njoku is going to be coming along. He'll be entering his third year. There's a lot of potential. Um, that would just give Baker so many weapons. That run game is there. They're on so many rookie deals. If there was any time to do it, and if there's any team that could do it, they are the team that could do it based off of just have like when you have your quarterback on rookie deal, your running back on rookie deals, essentially your entire defense on rookie deals, except for like one or two players. Um, it really allows you some flexibility in the cap space. And that's why you see Cleveland with the amount of cap space they have. And I think if they really think that they have the tools to kind of start making a playoff and a, start making playoff runs and, push uh, some of these players or push some of these other teams like they were at the second half of the season. If receivers where you want to go, I don't see why not. And I feel like they need tough, like that tough call to make. Yeah. I feel like they need that receivers. I mean, they can create so much cap space because they have Duke Johnson on a five year million a year. He has three years, 5 million left. Um, I heard that they may, I read, I keep saying heard. I read that they may just get rid of uh, Jamie Collins contract. Um, Tyrod Taylor still has two years, thirty million on his deal. I think so. You just get rid of all, but only half of his contract is guaranteed. So you can maneuver, you can get out of these contracts to get Antonio Brown, and that offense would be. Is it safe to say it's the top seven, six, seven offense if they get AB in Cleveland? Because their O line's well, solid. Who are you putting above them, Baker. Kareem Hunt, whenever he comes back, you got Duke Johnson there now. You got Chubb, Landry, like you said. Like, I'm gonna look at the offenses real quick. I mean, we'll just go through it. Buffalo, Miami, no. New England is New England's offense better than Cleveland's offense? I that's a toss up. Jets, Ravens, yes. Bengals, no. You said yes to the Jets. No to the Patriots. <laughs> I thought you were trolling a little bit. Um. Pittsburgh won't be. I don't think Houston is because that O line and it's just DeAndre Hopkins. Indy. Indy's a toss up because they have a lot of. Indy's another team that could trade for him. Yeah, Indianapolis has so much cap room. It's 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 they have the most cap room in the NFL right now. Um, Jacksonville, Tennessee, Denver, no. Kansas City, yes. Chargers, probably on even ground. Oakland. Dallas, Giants, Philly, Washington, Chicago, Detroit, Green Bay hasn't shown me enough, Minnesota, haha, Atlanta, not yet, Carolina, no, New Orleans, yes, Tampa Bay, no, Arizona, Rams, I don't, that's another thing I want to talk about after this, so what team, I just named all, all the teams, where do you, I mean, Cleveland, San Francisco has been the talk one, I mean, George Kittles has the full court press on him. They have cap room. They have a hole at wide receiver. They just cut Pierre Garcon. So, I think it's Cleveland or San Francisco. 
I don't maybe even the Patriots. If the Patriots are actually that would be hysterical. The Patriots got him. Um but just looking at the teams. If I don't the Patriots see... get him, you could argue you could argue that let me let me ask you this question. Um if the Patriots did get A B Actually, that's irrelevant. If Josh Gordon was 100% and was consistently playing, where do you think he would be in the list of top receivers? Josh Gordon? Yeah. Oh man. Like if he played if he played 13 to 13 to 16 games a year for 3 years, where do you think we would put him out in terms of the rankings? That's such a, that's such a tough question. Very big hypothetical. It's but on talent, talent alone is different than production in my eyes. So, man, let me pull. Up, I'm pulling up fantasy wide receivers list, which is not what I need, but I mean, it's, it's just the best way to have them. A. B. Hopkins, Beckham, Julio, Michael Thomas, A. J. Green. Those are slam dunks in my eyes. Here's one for you: Devontae Adams or Josh Gordon. Aaron Rodgers is thrown to both of them. Yeah. Three years healthy, I'd probably take Josh Gordon if I if I knew it was guaranteed. That's tough for me to say, but I think I would. Where do you okay? A counter question to that: Whose route tree is more diverse? Devontae. That's why I value Dante more because if we look at Josh Gordon, it's slant. It's the in deep in deep post and the go route. Can he go out? Can he do the ten yard out? Yes. I think Devonte Adams is an elite route runner and he's an elite receiver in a league of elite. elite I didn't want to say it. I, want, I wanted to hear you say it. Yes, I would value Devonte Adams. Um, that was great. Even T. Y. Hilton's route tree has grown. Keenan Allen. T.Y. Hilton, Hilton came on strong mm-hmm. second half last season. That was fun. When to he watch. has luck, he's a, he's a top ten receiver. I th- what about Keenan Allen, the slot god himself? See, I think a com- more there's just so much talent at the receiver position right now. I think a more comparable comp, uh, him or Mike Evans, Full, both are fully healthy. Josh Gordon or Mike Evans? Mm-hmm. I'd want to take. I mean, if I take Josh Gordon, but you're banking now. You're banking on Josh Gordon being a hundred percent. I can't abandon my love that I have right. for Devonte Adams, so I would actually take Devonte Adams over all. Oh, out of all three of those, <laughs> this is the thing. He is fully healthy. But is he mentally healthy? That consistency has not been shown. And it's saying, yes, if he is healthy and consistent and has everything right. We have never seen that. I mean, I'm pretty sure he was high when he was dropping, led the league in receiving. I mean, who knows? He needs, like, did he get a Super Bowl ring? He doesn't get one, does he? He should have. Let's check his Wikipedia. Pa- let's check his Wikipedia page. Sorry, I'm talking. I have a, I have a Clementine in my mouth. It tastes great. He turns 28 in April, man. Jeez. Wow. 
It says he is a Super Bowl champion That's really on Wikipedia. Disappointing. It says that. I believe it. Everyone gets a Super Bowl ring. He will receive a ring. Heck yeah, Josh. You're a Super Bowl champ. Um, Randy Moss can't even say that. Uh, but, yeah. There's a little. I like that question. It's a nice little practice to do. We, I mean, if there's one thing we love ranking, it's wide receivers in this in this podcast. Um, ooh, this is a personal one for you. Last one. Gordon or Stefan Diggs? I'd probably take, take Stefan. I haven't seen... If there, you want to talk about a route runner, my goodness, that dude knows how to get separation. All right. Last one, I promise. Tyreek Hill. Or Josh mm-hmm. Gordon. If you're saying both of them are playing with Pat Mahomes, I still take Tyreek Hill. Okay. What about... um? I thought that was the last one. What about Julian Edelman? I had, I had, dude. Julian Edelman's better than Calvin Johnson. I got, I got to make sure we get the, the, um, Slaughtertron, no. Slaughtertron, some love. I mean, in the Patriots' offense, it's Julian Edelman. In everyone else's offense, I'll take Josh Gordon. All right, cool. Um, dude, we get off base so much. I love it. Uh so Antonio Brown. Cleveland or San Francisco? Where do you see him? Or do you do, do you have a surprise team that you think can make a move? You need the cap space in a win now mode that has cap space, a cap that has draft picks. That's the Patriots. I mean, the Colts have cap draft picks. The 49ers have cap draft picks. They're trying to the Jets are trying to trade back to get some draft haul, which I don't think is smart because they just need to keep getting talent. But hey, Adam Gates is another show, not me. So prediction right now. Because this thing, this, these can happen now. Like these can happen really fast. February twenty eighth. Prediction for where he ends up. I don't think the I don't think the Steelers would trade AB to Cleveland. All right, you're the GM of the Steelers. I think your name's Kevin Seifert. Pretty sure. You have. A 2019 second round pick and a 2020 second round pick for AB or a number 16th overall pick for AB. What would you what what what's more attractive to you? When you're trying well, to maximize the Ben, you're trying to maximize the Ben Roethlisberger window right now. If that, I mean that window shut in my have eyes. To say okay. You'd have to, yeah. Oh, same. So, with that being said, when is the, when is the line drawn between rooting for that who you trade them to and who it and it's and no matter that, when is that line drawn in terms of getting the better haul? Like, why isn't it? Is shouldn't it be to get the best haul? Shouldn't that be the main idea? No matter where it's yeah, coming but you from. also have to play them twice a year. It's it's not it's not where it's coming from. It's that you got to play him twice a year. Like, you play you put him in San Francisco. You might play him once every four years if he stays there. But if he goes in Cleveland and enjoys it in Cleveland and Cleveland embraces him, 
he could want to stay there in spite of the Steelers. And then you're playing AB for like the next four or five years. And that, I know receivers kind of just like, I don't know. I, I think AB is going to have a similar career to like Larry Fitz. And he's just going to keep on keeping on. And then like in six years, when everyone's doing fantasy drafts, they're going to let AB just fall way down low. And they're going to have a crazy year. And everyone's going to go, why do we let AB fall? Just like Larry Fitz does. Because he's just that good of a technician, you know? I, and I yeah. don't think I think he would love to stick it back to the Steelers. I think the Steelers are going to draft a receiver in the first round. I think they're going to get this, that uh, DK Metcalf or Hakeem Butler guy from Iowa State. I love that Hakeem Butler dude. I think he is a star. I, every time I watch Iowa State, him and Met- David Montgomery, like I genuinely love Iowa State football this year. Metcalf is um, – I'm torn on him because every time I go to watch um, some film on him, I, sw- I I feel like the only thing he catches are go routes. Yeah. And just out-muscles people. And I don't – like, it's great and all, but I like to watch receivers that are good at getting separation because when receivers are good at getting separation, that makes it easier throws on the quarterback. And if you're making easier throws on the quarterback, A, it limits their era, error that they – that they have, but B it psychologically has to calm down the quarterback, at least in some stressful situations, because they see a guy wide open. They're just, you know, it's pitch and catch. Um, how funny, how ahead. funny would it be if they drafted Hollywood Brown, Antonio's cousin, who by the way is nose diving down draft boards because of his, uh, foot problem. And he weighed 166 pounds. Yeah, that that foot surgery is. Uh, I was reading into it when I saw it. Um, I think it's a Lis Frank fracture, is what he had. I can't pronounce and it. I was hoping that I was, I was reading. Yeah, into I was hoping it. that you'd be able to dissect it a little bit more. Um, I was reading into it to see kind of how what the severity of it, and because I when I saw it, I thought I recognized it being kind of one of those potentially career threatening ones. Um, but if I remember correctly, I guess what happens is that if whatever he broke in there if it doesn't heal properly his foot will like spread and cause pain um if it does if it's not healed properly and i guess it's a pretty tough prognosis for young athletes to do it honestly i was instantly reminded of sammy watkins i was like he's a receiver who has all the talent in the world but is always not on the field because of his foot I don't know. That would be tough. That it'd be it'd be a tough buy for me, but that's all up to the sports medicine teams. I just wanted to be healthy because that guy could have could have made some difference against Oklahoma against Alabama, and he's he's just he just stood out every time you watch Oklahoma play the past couple of years. But all right, let's leave Antonio Brown after twenty minutes of discussion of Antonio Brown. Probably something he would love love to hear. So let's go to this. Um, Let's go to the article of the year in ESPN. I'm just perusing, perusing. I don't know if it's perusing, perusing. I like perusing. Perusing the ESPN NFL dot NFL um, headlines. And this one just jumped out on me. And it just captivated me so much that I had to read it. And that is the Minnesota Vikings are expecting big things from Kirk Cousins in 2019. Big things, Noah. I guess that means 
they won't lose at home to the second string defense of the Chicago Bears to make the playoffs. Um, do, uh, what is getting just a better offensive line the only thing that can go that can improve them? I. The basis for this article is Mike Zimmer and Schneider, the GM, they Rick Spillman, sorry, um, Rick Spillman. They say that throughout their history, the second year quarterback, the second year in a system, has made all their free agents better, which could serve true. But yeah, this guy signed for just two more seasons anyway, so you have a two year window now with the guy that did not look comfortable in the big situations, threw away some games, and. Now, you're expecting big things from him. This sounds like coach. This sounds like they're trying to convince themselves more so than they're convinced by Cousins. I mean, one of the quotes is, I can just give an example with Brett Favre when he ran the same system in Green Bay forever, and then he went to New York that year, a totally different system, and probably didn't have his most productive year as a pro. Then he ended up coming back to us into a system he was familiar with and made a big, huge difference. Here's the question. Is there any system Kirk Cousins is familiar with? Is there any system that Kirk Cousins is a legit top 12 quarterback? Um, no. Maybe in Kyle Shanahan's offense. They Speaking of Kyle Shanahan, they do have a Gary Kubiak. He's an assistant head coach, offensive advisor. So, well, I didn't even, let me put I didn't even know way. that until two seconds ago. Gary Kubiak likes running the football. If they can improve the run game, which is what we were telling them to do all this time, then I can see why they would be expecting big things from Kirk Cousins because he'll be asked to do less. Less is more, Kirk. Which is better. I think we've s- less think is we've more, said Kirk. that about him all the time. Oh, man. I really just... Sometimes I wish we were we went to a bigger audience, so people. I just want to hear if people had any pushback or anything about our Kirk Cousins slander. But I don't know any Kirk Cousins diehards out there. I mean, even in Washington and stuff like that. Like, I don't think anyone's like, oh, man. I got st- oh, to stand for that second, third-round pick from Michigan State who is only playing in the league because Rod- um, RG, Robert Griffin III lost his knees and stuff like that. And Mike Shanahan and then Jay Gruden and then Kyle Shanahan and McVay. Like, all these people made me who I am. So, Yeah. Just had a little tidbit, you know. We had to get, we had to get our Kirk Cousins jabs in far and few between the, during the offseason because we don't have tape to evaluate. Um, but another another thing, uh, were you a fan of the Monday Night Football commentating crew of Booger McFarland on the side and Witten and Tessitore in the booth? No, I'm not a fan of Tessitore. I wasn't a big fan of Booger, and Jason Witten was Jason Witten. So, no. I I rarely listen to the Monday Night Football commentary because of okay. it. Okay. Well, now you either, you may have some inclination to turn on the volume because Jason Wynn is returning to the Cowboys and leaving the Monday Night Football booth. Um, Do you think this actually matters? No, but I think I wouldn't be surprised if this if he tries to transition himself into coaching. Um, more so than commentary. Um, tight end was the Cowboys' worst position last year. Where they their their tight ends were worse than their receivers before they got Amari Cooper. Mm. That's a good point. That's how I felt. 
Yeah. So, at a minimum, athletically, you're kind of. I'm kind of curious to see what he can still do. But at a minimum, he can at least bring the knowledge that a future Hall of Famer has at one of the best at his positions ever. Um, but the knowledge and tools and tricks that he has can help develop some of those younger guys that they have in the room. And then also step up and play um, as a nice security blanket for uh, Dak Prescott. But even towards like the latter uh, part of his career, not uh, the last year he played, he wasn't he didn't do anything that spectacular. Maybe the year off might help his body regain some some strength and come out and get one last hoorah. But I honestly wouldn't be surprised if he wants to get himself more into coaching because maybe he seems he sees himself as almost in a coaching role, an active player coaching role, kind of how uh, Sean Lee was this year. I mean, we, we assume he's going to keep running the same option routes over the middle over and over again just to get yeah. open and then just... I love when he when he tra- he doesn't even try to break tackles anymore. He literally just like is like yeah, just hold me up. I'm just I'm not even gonna turn my feet. I'm just gonna go down. But I mean, maybe it helps in the blocking game. And like you said, the year off may help because people say he's still in. Ph- I mean, Lewis Riddick says he's in phenomenal shape and things of that nature. But football shape's a completely different shape than just you know working out and lifting and stuff like that. But I mean, he's obviously not gonna get a big deal, coach. Do you, do you think someone of his like where do you see him as a coach like as a position coach offensive I don't see him running an offense per se so where where like what's his ceiling in the coaching level in your eyes I could see him being a solid offensive line coach Wow do you think do you th- I mean this guy went from this guy's been a tight end in the in the biggest franchise in the NFL goes from month go straight to the Monday night football booth and you think he's going to be an you think an offensive line coach is where he'll settle or should settle I I wouldn't be surprised if he were to get into coaching I, I assume if he wasn't coaching tight ends specifically he would be o line mm. right. because if there's one thing I tight ends have to know what the o line's doing that's very true and I think he I I think he would I would be hard pressed to think that he's not knowledgeable enough on o line schemes and he obviously knows how to block people, especially as an undersized guy. Definitely has done all the drills to be get, to be good at blocking. Probably knows how to teach blocking pretty well. I don't know. That's just if I had a spitball somewhere, if he was going to get into coaching, that's what I would think. Mm. Well, I mean, I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna. This is something I'm a tough sell. No, it's not a tough sell with the football stands. I'm talking about like I'm more focused on the Monday Night Football crew because Pat. Uh, Pat McAfee, he's already uh, trying to put his hat in the, into the Monday Night Football crew thing. He had a crazy that would be that would be I'm about for. He had a crazy call. In, in week I'd listen to that on that on that fake kick that Matt Prater did. Um, the thing with this, the thing is like, are sports commentators even important anymore? Like when I watch the NBA, like I have a game on right now. It's on mute. When I'm watching NBA, it's on mute anyway. When I'm watching Sunday Sunday football, if it's not red zone, I mean, I love Al Michaels and Collinsworth, but I never, I literally just throw on headphones and mute the TV. So, like, did does this even in a in, in the media side of things? This this doesn't affect you at all. I don't. Does it? This has zero effect on how I'm going to enjoy football f- 
moving forward. Okay. Zero effect. All right. I like to watch football, mute the TV, and preferably listen to some Sade or some Erica Badu. Oh, man, dude. I have not been able to turn off Love Deluxe on my drives. I have been... It, it was such a perfect day today, and I was driving to work, and it was so so nice out. And I'm trying to listen to some podcasts. I'm like, why am I wasting my time with this? I threw on Feel No Pain, <laughs> and I was just driving. I'm like, I'm. this is the thing. So I have long hair. I wear sunglasses. I drive with the windows down, and I bump Sade at probably the loudest level my car can go. I just wish I could get in the minds of the people that watch me. There's just like there's this guy. He's probably he's, I'm 20. I turn, <laughs> there's just this dude with long hair just driving through Tampa, blaring Sade. Like, what is up with that guy? And I'm just and it's just I just, and I'm in the point where like I have like I know I have like 10 minutes of music to listen to. I'll put on Feel No Paint and just go right to Cherish Today because she bodies that track and it is such a motivational song. But we can go all day with Sade, and we will one day. It's going to be a great podcast. Hopefully, she drops music this year because I need it desperately. But I don't even know how we got you. Yeah, we got on the Sade because you said you listen to Sade. But yes, music while watching sports, I recommend it. It's awesome. <laughs> it is awesome. Everything flows together. It's cool. It's really it's some cool stuff. Um, it's like watching Pink Floyd, and uh, it's like watching listening to the Wall. I mean, Dark Side of the Moon while watching The Wizard of Oz. It just goes perfectly hand in hand. Uh, anyways, we have there's three. Oh, I wrote down. I, I, oh, I, go actually, ahead. Sorry. One, one side note, real quick. I do. I do have a gripe. I have a lot of people, a lot of friends. No, I don't have a lot of people. I don't own them. I have a lot of friends, <laughs> a lot of people I know that um, that don't like watching sports particularly. Like they do, but they don't really get it. Um, and they they just don't fully enjoy it. And I think part of the reason is what we're talking about right now. The commentary just sucks. Mm. And the sounds of the game aren't always the most exciting through a TV. When you're there, it's awesome. But, like, I think about it. What's my favorite part about going to FSU football games? First, the football. Second, the band. The band's the second best part about the games. This year, you could argue that the halftime show was the best part of the games. Mm. Oh, you're... Because the marching chiefs kill You're a fan it. of the band, baby? Oh, I'm a big fan. Of so the band. you didn't, so you didn't have to go inside. You weren't a halftime person on the inside. We it it was split games. Some games I was, some games I wasn't. I never had to be inside, but I'd run inside, get the, get the orange slices, get some candy, sprint right back out to the field at halftime, and I was literally standing up in front of the marching chiefs, in front of the baton twirlers, just <laughs> jamming because we had some. We that's when they got like four, not world they they got like a, like millions of views on social media because they played a single ladies Beyonce song they did like next six shows but man every single time me and my boy Miles Davis shout out to you Austin Miles Davis we'd hit the we'd hit the old man single ladies thing and stuff like that man it was a good time and he was in the band in high school and stuff so we we it was great times appreciating them shout out to you Martin Chiefs you guys are great um, Martin Chiefs are the best so yeah. but I think. If people would listen to music, any music, while watching sports instead of listening to the commentary, particularly football, um, I think that people would enjoy it more often. And also, one of the pros about listening uh, with listening to music instead of listening to the commentary while watching sports 
is you de- start developing your own opinions mm. about what's happening because you're not listening to what the commentation's trying to feed you. I've gotten much better at having a critical eye for basketball and football, it, those two in particular, just based off of not listening to what the commentation's trying to push down my throat. Absolutely, man. Honestly, football, it's Tony Romo or bust. I hear Mark Schlereth come up. Tony Mark Romo Schlereth. or bust. I hear Mark Schlereth. I'm muting the TV. I'm instant mute. But um, I also... College football, I enjoy. Uh, I do enjoy Kirk Herbstreet. Oh yeah, he's unbiased. I'm not. People say, oh, he is severely unbiased and stuff like that. Um, this honestly, the CBS crew isn't the same with Brad Nessler instead of Vern Ludquist. I'm being honest. Oh, how are you supposed to replace Vern? Exactly, not with Brad. You don't get Vern Ludquist. <laughs> yeah, I'm Brad Nessler. We're live from Tuscaloosa, Alabama, wherever it is. By the way, I threw on the Feel No Pain music video on YouTube. It is literally just a, it's the whole cinematography is gold. And it's like her and like this guy that's supposed to be her lover, just like crying and like in a desert and stuff. It is phenomenal cinematography, Sade. Uh, but we're going, we're going from that to actually a, I don't mean, I don't even know where you want to go with this conversation, but it's a conversation we have to have for a little bit at least. And that is, Robert Kraft, owner of the New England Patriots, has been charged with solicitation. I want to get this exactly right. Solicitation charges. Um, authorities say that Robert Kraft visited a Florida massage parlor for sex acts on the morning of the AFC Championship game, which he attended in Kansas City later that day. So, hey, that's that's just crazy. You're in, I'm going to fly to... From New England to Jupiter to get this done and then go to Kansas City real quick to watch my football team. It's just, it's like that part of it is just crazy. And then you add the fact that this is part of like a human trafficking ring and all that stuff. It's just like, man, this is dark stuff. It was his second visit to the parlor in less than 24 hours. Um, oh, dude, Erica Badu just came out. I'm sorry. This is like not the right music to have on, honestly, but I just can't help it. Uh, so pretty much, first misdemeanor counts of his first degree solicitation. The court dates March 27th. He'll have a low-level arrest warrant issued in his name, similar to a traffic ticket. He will not need to appear in court. He has hired Jack Goldberg. Of Goldberg wants to represent the process. If convicted, he could face up to one year in jail. Probably not going to happen. A $5,000 fine. He wipes his butt with that money. 100 hours community service. I'll crack up if I saw him do community service and attendance in human trafficking dangerous classes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what part you're laughing at. Um, <laughs> I would laugh so hard if I saw a picture or a video of Robert Kraft doing community service. Yeah. Um, that would be so funny. But we're not going to get into the nitty and gritty of this stuff because this is, this is very terrible stuff on every surface. What do you think... Like, where do you – first off, just initial reaction to this charge, and apparently he's not the biggest person in on the list, which I would love to see who the next person is. Could be our good old president, Donnie J. Not political. We're not, we're not getting pl- politics here. We're not getting into politics for the five listeners we have. Um, we want to keep that. want to keep those five listeners. So – and then what do you think – is this a case where you should step away from day-to-day operations? Should he – be forced to sell his team because he owns the New England Revolution of the MLS as well. So what initial thoughts when this news broke, it was very just like, wow. A man who has married 
So like a forty-one uh, woman in her forties, who's very well out of his league in terms of appearance, if I should be honest. And he still goes ahead and does this cheating thing and, and this parlor stuff in a sex trafficking ring in Jupiter, Florida, which is completely south from where he is, as further south as he could go to stay in the country. And now he's in this embarrassment where he's embarrassed the franchise, embarrassed all of his organizations. Heinz Craft, the ketchup, his stocks plummeted because of this. Like, this has affected his businesses. So, do you think that this is a situation where he should sell his team? Or just give all power to his children or son who's been there with them for a couple years now. Just thoughts on a very, very weird situation. Uh, my initial reaction, um, I used to look at Robert Kraft and just think he was that nice OG owner that was just kind of like loved winning and was just going to let them do their thing while he just, you know, did his billionaire type, type of things. Um, I didn't think that this was his billionaire type of things. <laughs> it just kind of like it just kind of shouldn't be laughing I'm sorry it makes me it makes me just look at him just completely differently like I used to look at him I'd be like oh yeah tight Robert Kraft and now I go oh my god Robert Kraft um it's ter. I mean it just kind of sheds some light on the on the terrible truth that we have on the issue with human trafficking uh in this country and just around the world in general um just because slavery and got out uh got outlawed after the civil war and whatnot does not mean that it is just like done in its tracks just like that um if you watch game of thrones Tyrion has to offer seven years to the slavers because that's how he realizes not to go to war so it's just kind of like one of those things in history that it's been happening for so long and it's hard to, as a society, it's hard to just change entirely. And so what we're seeing is it's just kind of getting like shoved into the dark sides uh, and into the shadows. But then when it kind of gets light shed on it, you kind of look at that corner of the room and you go, wow, that that's some messed up stuff that's going on in there. Um, And I think if anything, I think it might end up, it could end up being a kind of a positive, um, in terms of just society moving forward and trying to trying to combat these things um, that are terrible and going on in our country and around the world. So sucks for the Patriots, sucks for Robert Kraft, but um, I I didn't really have any like I'm just kind of curious to see how it all plays out more so than anything to see how what happens to a billionaire owner who's won multiple Super Bowls since he bought mm-hmm. the team, but. He bought the team. They started winning Super Bowls. Like, I'm curious to see what's going to come out with all these, uh, with all these accusations, and if they'll go to trial and whatnot. Do you to see what? Do you think you should sell his team? I, at this point in time, no. Okay. You think you just because I'm curious to see how it's going to play out? Should he at least eliminate himself from day to day operations? Like, I would think so. And I feel as if it, I feel as if it wouldn't be, if there's a time to do it. I mean, now's the time to. I mean, you're. I hate to say it, but you're in the off season. Mm-hmm. Like I know you're coming up on the draft, but Bill Belichick <laughs> got every all that taken care of. You don't need to worry about it. Yeah. Uh, um. What was I gonna say? This is yeah, because I don't. A lot of people immediately their immediate comparison is to the Donald Donald Sterling case, which people don't know. 
he was a he was a terrible owner. He never cared about spending money like filling up his cap space because he was going to get his share of the TV contracts anyway. And on top of it, he was a terrible person and a racist. And he had a mistress, Vivian. I think her name. No, no, no I don't want to mess up her name. I think it was like Vivian or something like that. I don't want to mess it up though. She recorded him saying all these racist things about like Magic Johnson attending games. Like he doesn't want these. Not he doesn't want those type of people at his games and stuff like that, and that and that was like a nail in the coffin for him to sell his team. I don't think this is near the level. In ter- maybe not in, maybe it's a worse humane because in, instead of just being a, I mean this just sounds really bad. Instead of just being a plain old racist like Sterling was, um, that that is more common than. Being involved I, I, in a human, I get what you're yeah, saying, like a human sex trafficking ring and stuff like that. It sounds it sounds bad, but I get what you're saying. And you're not looking at it from a perspective of um, this is what I think. It's looking at a perspective of how everyone else is going to perceive it. And when you hear an actual recording of someone being racist, you go, "Wow, that's that's nuts." But then you only hear reports that he was doing these things. You don't have like an actual tangible tangible evidence that you can like listen to or look at or see or like have with your senses to give you that kind of like shocking reaction other than just hearing the news. Dude, this is, this is the, that's why I'm curious to see how all this plays out. I'm curious to see what other information comes out because if it ends up coming out worse then we could be looking at a situation like that. Like what, like what is causing you to go down to Jupiter, Florida to get a $50 massage, you know, that experience. Like I just like Bill Simmons talked about. He's like he's like Robert Kraft made some questionable decisions. Like like he's walking around with rappers. He's wearing champions McMeek Mills chains. Like there's a lot of things that point to him like slowly going down the uh, the old crazy path. And I think this is just like what is like humans are different. But like you have all the money in the world. Why are you doing this of all? Like it's. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me. Greed it, it, poisons it, it, man's soul, man. Go ahead. Greed poisoned man's soul. That's a. That's a. You get greedy. You, you get greedy, and you never want to not have it. Mm-hmm. That's a great. That's a great. That's a great way to leave the rival crafting. Let's go on to. Do you? Uh, Can you pull up Twitter real quick? Because on this computer, I can't pull it up. Can you go to that DM I sent you mm-hmm. and? Mm-hmm. Can you read me the measurements of Kyler Murray compared to Russell Wilson and Baker Mayfield? If you mm-hmm. if you don't mind. Yeah. Uh, Kyler Murray. Well, who do you want first? Just yeah, in order. sort of the tweets. Kyler Murray, 5'10", 1 8 inch, <laughs> weighing a 207, hand size, 9 and a half. Russell Wilson, 5'10", 5 5'8", inches, so... Half an inch taller than Kyler Murray. No, the, hey, the two hundred four. That, that half inch makes all the world difference. Two hundred four, three pounds smaller, ten and one fourth inches on hand size, so three quarters of an inch bigger. Baker Mayfield, six foot and five eight, so um, two and a half inches on Kyler Murray. Two fifteen, nine and a quarter hand size. Had the smallest hand size, Baker Mayfield. Does any of that matter? To you. I think they're fun things to look at and fun things to take into account, but do they matter? No. 
like I th- I think hand size is interesting because when I look at hand size, I go, okay, how are you going to deal in colder weather, and how are you going to do in rainy situations? That one, that one, I don't... height though. At this, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, no. I was just going to say about the hand size thing. I mean, height though. Yeah, um, go ahead. yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say about the hand size thing. I mean, um, <laughs> we're still doing this. I'm going to say, Colin Murray played baseball, so we have strong hands. Just, just keep going. That's all I wanted to say. Um, Russell Wilson also played baseball. Yes, and ten, has, and a, and ten and a quarter inch. He hands. has big hands, too. but other than that, like weight, weight is big, but like only if only if it's like excruciatingly small. But he weighs in at two hundred seven. He'll probably be playing around the one ninety five, one ninety eight range when he's actually in season playing, which is manageable. Um, height though, I mean, being a half inch shorter than Russell Wilson, he gets it done. Drew Brees gets it done. Baker Mayfield had no problem. The thing is, is like this NFL, everything like everything is a, a lot more spread out. I mean, a lot more teams are running a lot more spread, but so many throws like they're just designed to get you easier reads and to get you into th- good throwing windows. So if you he at and it comes down to just like how it is with any quarterback. If you get them good coaching and you get the good get them good development, they're going to be fine. This dude has like all the arm talent in the world. We wouldn't if this if he was literally if he was listed at 5'11", no one would be asking these questions at all. But what does literally he is listed at 5'10 and an eighth. What does 7 eighths of an inch do? That is like the distance from your pinky to your, like the top of your fingernail to your first knuckle. Like that is such a small, like it's, this is why I get so frustrated with these combine people. I mean, you know, we, we hear big hands, big hands, six, five, John Elway loves the six, six guys stuff like that. Just this is, this bothers me with every sport. Just throw on the tape. Did the height matter in college? No. Is the height going to matter in the NFL? No. Because in my eyes, if defenses just sit, try to like zone off and rush like three and they have a guy, two guys on the edges trying to like just time the batting balls, Kyle Murray's just going to run around them. I mean, the Russell Wilson Kyler Murray comp should now be I don't like I don't really like comparison that much, but it has its strengths and this is one of the strengths. A guy who played baseball, Colin Murray played at a higher level. He got drafted ninth overall. Um, they don't they, <laughs> they don't take big hits. They have great arm talent. They're great leaders. They can just move around. I mean, the offense that you can install with Kyler Murray is far greater than any offense you can install with any one of these people, which is why... A lot of things point to the Cardinals taking him at one. A lot of things point to the Cardinals taking him at one. The Kingsbury connection, their GM, Steve Klein, said Josh Rohn is our quarterback for now. Said for now, multiple, I think like, <laughs> yeah. I think he said it like six times in that press conference, Josh Rohn is our guy for now. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you do that? Why would, If they draft Kyler at one, 
this the trade I've been ta- that we've ta- been discussing for months for legit like two months since Kingsbury got the job. Rosen to the Giants for number six. You draft Marie one. You get whoever you want at six. There you go. You cut your loss short. You have an offensive guru in terms of spread system with the most decorated quarterback in the history of Texas. A Heisman Trophy winner is one full starter and literally led the most efficient offense in the history of college football. Bloviate the stats, all that stuff, whatever. Because Big 12 football is coming to the NFL. It's slowly but surely coming. And I don't think people I don't think people are going to be able to understand how much Big 12 talk we're going to have if Bake when Baker, Pat Mahomes and Kyler Murray are running the NFL and we heard the same exact stuff of all three arm weird arm angles. Denver played against defenses in 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 college has the gimmick offenses all that stuff. No. This is the future of football. Yeah. It you make a good point. I'm not fa- I'm not falling for it a third time. Yeah, it's He's too talented. He's too talented and did it in one Heisman. Did it in the same conference that Pat Mahomes did it. Did it in the same conference that Baker did it. He and he played, in my opinion, after they settled in. O- Kyler Murray and Oklahoma outplayed Alabama for the rest of that semi game. They were just in too deep of a hole to ever get themselves out of it. They made the mistake at the coin toss. Because yep. they they kicked they they deferred. That was. You don't you don't just that's just I mean he made great he made great throws. He put up 33 against Bama. I mean Clemson went in and destroyed them, but Clemson literally played a perfect game of football against Bama. And they might have the top quarterback prospect god, like prospect prospect since Andrew Luck and then before then probably Peyton Manning. He's 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 a surefire number 1 in the the hair rank, the top hair rank, is a quarterback prospect too. <laughs> oh, oh my! Pat, he's Mahomes all, is man. number two because Mahomes has that, that, that crazy curly hair. But he, the headband he rocks, man. That's he's it's it's style. That's a solid one, two, and great hair. Baker needs to get his hair up, but Baker has the headband, and I don't think he has. He's dangerous in every other <laughs> way, though. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, people like like Lewis Riddick said. He will be number one. People said the Dolphins may trade up. I don't think the the Dolphins have enough capital, a thir- the number thirteen overall pick, to dra- and, and if they really believe in Rosen, I don't think moving back twelve spots in a draft is worth it. Even if they don't believe in Rosen, but you know, I mean, I mean, even if they do believe in Rosen, that's the disp- that's just a big disparity from getting a Joey Bosa or a Quinton Williams or a Josh Allen to. A Brian Burns or whoever is in that range and, and such like that, uh, but it's just crazy. This is this the, the kind of discussion I want to have is that Lance Zerline, one of the top NFL draft people in the in on social media and in, in like this business, saw that Kyler Murray measured in at five ten and one eighth inch and said he is a for sure lock for number one. Why is if he wait if he re- measured in five nine and th- four, seventh eighths? You probably would have said nope, too short. That is literally two eighths of an inch. Am my math correct? Two, two it's two eighths of an inch that a we're quarter. Yes, a quarter. Oh, okay, okay, Mister <laughs> Smart Pants. We're doing fractions. You want to uh, 
I don't know the word now. What is that called to bring the fraction down? Reduce. What is it? Reduce. Reduce. I was going to say deduce. I don't know why that. I don't think that's the word. You're still in school. You have an excuse and all that stuff. I don't. Uh, <laughs> it's funny because I'll try to like, I tutor kids. I like, I help the kids with their homework and I'll just be like, I don't know, man. <laughs> I'm sorry. My math capabilities outside of basic math is just <sighs> plummet because I mean, I've learned how to uh, solve for the exponent X so much in my real life. Maybe a school, teach me how to pay taxes and manage a budget, not do the stupid division stuff, but, I mean, this crazy X, Y, Z stuff, whatever. Uh, but, yeah, it's... You don't find that fun? God, no. Dude, I can no. admit this now. I, I enjoy I, it. Yeah, I enjoy history in English class, which is, I don't know if that's what you love, but just in general, I... Don't know how I passed math in in some things in high school, but I 100% did not do a single day of math homework in high school. I copied from the same girl the same day. I mean, every single day for four years of, in class, of math class. She was cool with it? She didn't care. I mean, she may have, may have a little crush on me, so I'd, you know, worked, worked, worked both sides of the ball game, know what I mean? But whatever it took for me not to do math homework, I'm cool with. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, so yeah, and the I mean, you saw measurements all across. Everyone got measured today. I assume you follow the, some of the same Twitter people I follow. Everyone's like, "Oh, great measurements! Interested to see what he runs." This look at this hand size. Look at this wingspan. This is what we fall in love with. Every in basketball and football, we fall in love with these these athletic marvels and their hand size and their wingspan and their explosion and these things. And it's just, are you? Can you? In basketball, can you pass, shoot, and play defense? That's it. That's all we need from you. Football, can you do your job? Can you play in multiple positions? Hand size, I don't think hand size matters if you can catch the the ball. Rashad Green had large gloves. He caught everything. Some people had 2X gloves and 2X hand size. Doesn't mean you catch everything. Really doesn't. So, I mean, just... The combine, obviously, I've honestly Monday next week's gonna roll around. We're gonna talk about some combine stuff, like you know, because there's always gonna be that guy who runs like a four, like a four three that works. I'm like, oh man, like or an O lineman that runs like a four seven five, like Taron Armstead did. It's like, man, this is supreme athleticism, but doesn't match the tape. That's where I think some people get confused. Like Al Davis felt towards the end of his reign in uh, Oakland, fell in love with fast combine receivers, but didn't. Probably didn't watch the film of if they could actually act, you know, run a route and catch and be consistent like that. So, this is all about hoop out of me. But do you have any clip funny thoughts on the first measurements of the, com- the combine and Kyler Murray before we end the first hour? No, I'm just excited to keep watching more film on him and uh, see how his pro day and the rest of the NFL draft process works out for him. Yeah, because Kyler's not throwing. He's not throwing at the combine. And quick, just a quick 20 second answer. Do you? Th- would you throw at the combine because people say you know it shows that they love to compete and stuff like that, or would you just be like, just watch the film? I would only throw at the combine if I was confident in it and one hundred percent confident in it. If I wasn't, then I wouldn't. Um, I would like to think that I would throw because I just love throwing the football. Yeah, that see that that probably worked really well with scouts. I'm on, I'm on the other side of things where I'm like, like why do I have to throw? What is me throwing 
on-air routes to people that literally an act I've rehearsed. Like, where is that going to get me? If I, if I, if I run a four six forty instead of a four five one, are you going to dock me? Like, this is this is where like we fall in love with the combine stuff, but we need stuff to talk about, and we need stuff that like the spark testing. That's athletic testing. That's like broad jump and all that stuff. That's different than just measurements and basic forty time. Um, yeah. So that's going to do it for the first hour of the podcast. I think Noah's gonna come back for hour two. We're just gonna talk about one topic real quick. I want to talk. I want to catch his thoughts, and then after that, it'll just be me talking soccer, football, soccer, um, basketball, baseball. Some big baseball news happened the last week plus. So, um, we'll be right back for hour two of the Firm Podcast on the Radio Safety Network after these messages and station identification. I mean, so yeah, basketball's awesome. Golf's awesome. Those are our two favorite sports. I feel like they're our two favorite sports to play. So which one would you rather go pro in? The shelf life in basketball is a little less than golf. Um, I mean, you said it was a negative that you get to be outside because it's so hot. I think that's a positive because you just get to be getting a nice tan, hanging out. If you put your ca- Imagine putting Tom and your Nino as your caddy. That would be funny. Frustrating, but funny. See... <laughs> you don't think you two could get along in terms of like you know hey you hit the six iron and i said and you're like but i'm feeling the seven and then nino's like nah hit the six you hit the six it goes 50 yards over the coal and you're like see i should hit the seven that's when you two i feel like would blow up yeah because he would we would just not be able to not be the one that wins that happened to me when i golfed on saturday where Multiple times where I'm 140 yards out and there's crosswind and my brother's like, you should definitely hit a pitching wedge. I, as I have a gap wedge in my hand, I'm like, really? He goes, he's like, dude, you're going to hit so short. I'm like, all right, whatever. And my pitching wedge, I swear, man, I hit that thing so clean and pure. I'm looking at it. I'm like, that's in the hole. And Matt goes, it looks great over here. Screaming from the side of the fairway. And I'm just like, be the right. I'm like, just get on the green. That That thing goes... 30 yards over the green into a river that we didn't even see was on the course. I'm just like, where'd it go? My brother's like, it's in the water. I'm like, are you serious? (laughs) Are you kidding me right now? I threw my putter. I almost threw my putter in the lake. It's just a different thing. That's the other thing. Golf, there will not be anything where you will not be frustrated on a golf course. To get frustrated on a basketball court, hey, you missed a shot. All right, cool. You just get back on defense. So I don't know, man. What would you seriously? If you could be right now, I'll give you the careers of Dustin Johnson versus. Oh, this is tough. Uh, who has one? Ch- Dustin Johnson or Chris Bosh? Who would you rather be? Not don't don't think about the blood caught health part. That's just not. Fa- I mean, I'd rather have Chris Bosh. Really? Yeah, I'd rather play basketball, bro. I, feel, I dude, I love basketball to death, but do you know just know how much I've never been like good at golf to be to literally just be able to go like all right, I want this ball to go three hundred yards to that pin, bam! All right, I want this eight iron to go one hundred eighty yards, ten feet within the cup, bang! All right, I want to either know exactly where this putt's gonna go or it's gonna be about two inches out for a tap in. I like that just sounds so much more fun to me than I don't know. Anyways. Welcome back to hour two of the radio of the firm podcast on the radio safety network. We did a little just 
just carried into the discussion that we had. Um, I got Noah here for about 10 more minutes, if that. There's one more topic I want to discuss, and it's the one-and-done role of the NBA and, and the basketball. Um, Noah's, in the t- Noah's like, I wish we had more things to talk about. Well, maybe as you up your NBA game and NBA, um, what's the word, digestion in what you're <laughs> sport, maybe we could talk about it a little more. You know, I run a, I run a, a podcast and write for a website. Covers NBA, but the one and done rule the college for you don't know is that you have to be turn 19 years old the year of your NBA draft to be able to declare for the draft, which means most people have to go to college for one season or take the European and G League route, whatever. But this this conversation got expedited because Zion Williamson. Blew out his shoe, literally blew out his shoe against North Carolina. The the most profile game of the year, as always, every year. Um, sprained his MCL. People are like he should shut it down right now. We see this in college football, not with the one year thing, but let's do this in two parts. Let's start with the Zion thing. If he's healthy, should he play? And B relate this to co- the college football bowl thing is different because that's like legit your body. Like that's a different sport. Basketball is different, especially when it's just like a random bowl game versus, you know, Duke has a chance to win a national championship. So where do you lie in that competitiveness, being a part of a team versus putting yourself forward, saying, hey, I got to make my millions, I got to preserve my money? Did you happen to see what Kobe said about it? Kobe? Yeah. I did not, but I'm Googling it right now because I love Kobe. <laughs> if he's finished your commitment oh that's why the mamba is the best he's not like lebron tweeting out oh man this he needs to get this money this is the system nah man kobe's like dude the money will be oh thank you for t- pointing that to me continue that's where my values and ideals stand with this situation um you signed up for to play the season and you committed to your team and your teammates and it's wildly selfish of you if you don't stick by your word and stick by your commitment. The rules are the rules, and you decided this route to go, so stick with it. If you're healthy, you should play it's basketball. Just go play basketball. You're really good at it anyways. Why wouldn't you go play? That's where I'm at. If I was that good at basketball, I'd be playing. Why wouldn't you want to win a national tra- or try to win a national championship? You know? Playing for one of the best coaches ever. Hey, we- and we have our quote of the episode. If I was that good at basketball, I'd be playing. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, I, yeah, I, I'm all on the fence of this thing because I'm just like, um, sorry, I'm writing that down real quick. Yep. <laughs> uh, it's just like, I like, Looking back, your brother and my and our other best friend Adam, we literally met at a little league football team. My other best friend Anthony, we played elementary and middle school basketball together for four years. We were on in a high school bat. We were in a basketball class in high school. Like all of my friends, most of my friends come from youth sports stuff like that. I can't imagine a, like the college camaraderie, like being with each other all day, going to the same classes, training. They're like, 
we're devaluing what it if we're if we don't care about college like tournament and stuff like that besides gambling and just chaos why are they playing the sport why it's i'm even i'm even at the point where like even the football players who sit out i feel like football players who sit out are never in the national championship or the college football playoff. If you're in the if you're in the playoff, you're playing. Bosa didn't because he had an injury. He had a core injury, and that was different. Basketball is completely different. If it's about making money, you can go to Europe. This is this is the transition to the one and done rule. If it's about money, you can go to Europe, be a pro. I've been saying for half a decade at least. Why does no one just? If I was this big, I'm going to Europe. I'm playing for Real Madrid and Barcelona and these teams in Spain where I'm playing against grown men. Yeah, the athleticism's different, but I'm pl- I'm learning how to play basketball and I'm getting paid. And if I'm and if I'm clearly not ready for the Spanish league or the Adriatic league, why would I be ready for the NBA? I could stay here and get paid another more and get another salary and do all these things. Especially cuz the international game is growing at such a fast and rate. And it's a great uh great way to go tour the world before you try to make your way and just being in the continental u.s yeah it and yeah the experience like who wouldn't want to go live on the south coast of spain for a year getting paid about 600 700 k i don't know what the salaries are over there getting paid clo- almost a million dollars to live in another country and play basketball like i don't mean to sound like a, i don't mean to sound like a um like a dude's dude or anything like that, but have you seen the women that soccer players are married to over there? If that's what you seek, is the women, the star power, the money. If I mean, there's so many things. You're in tough. You think you think going to Chapel Hill or or uh, Durham to play a game against with some college kids thing at you is crazy? Why don't you go have fifteen thousand grown men with drums and scarves? Screaming at you, calling you the worst things possible. Like I just, that's that's that. But like, they're gonna lower the draft age to eighteen again. Do you think that that should happen? Yes. So players like Zion and RJ Barrett can just go right to the pros. So you agree with that? So my follow up question for that is. How would you, what system, there's a system I've thought of. Like, what would you do for the players that don't get drafted in the place they want out of high school? Like, what's your place for them? Like, what if they don't pan out and stuff like that? Because this is why this is why we went back to this rule. And now the past two rookie classes have been so great out of the gate that you know, it's brought up this conversation of oh, straight to the league and all that stuff. So where, so yes, if they can go, so Zion and RJ Barrett can get drafted. But there's other players who aren't as good. Do would you want to have an avenue for them to go to college, or would you just say, hey, suck it up, you gotta go to the G League now and just learn that way? You're in our system now. Yeah, I I would do it how pro baseball does it. Um, kids can get drafted out of high school if they like it if they like where they got picked and like the money that they get thrown at them, then they'll join. Um, but baseball players don't just go straight to the majors. You know, they first go through their way through the farm system and work their way up. And I think that that could be uh, 
something that they have to do to show that they're ready to move up into the into the actual NBA. Um, I don't know how you exactly make sure that maybe they just have to play a minimum amount of games. Um, and it might seem kind of dumb that some players might have to and some players might not, but I think that's like your only, only type of screening process to make sure that these kids, because they are kids, uh, their careers don't just get wasted because they were thrown into the fire too quickly before they were ready to handle it, even though they have the potential to be able to handle it. So I I would do it how pro baseball does it. Then it gives the kids the opportunity if they want to go to school, then they can go to school or they can leave to go to the draft. Um, tough situation, tough decision to make, but I think it's the only, especially with how much money these kids are making off of them, I think it would be in the NBA's best interest to let that happen because otherwise I do think we might start seeing a lot of people go to Europe. So to touch on the baseball aspect real quick, are you a fan of, hey, you either go to the pros at a high school or you're here for th- or you're here for three seasons? Because that would also – I mean, I'm not saying college coaches are better than NBA coaches and all that stuff, but that would give them a, a chance to get a degree, which I don't know how many of them value. And the other thing is, um, my bad. I just lost train of thought. Uh, I got to turn off J Cole for a second. Um, or would they? Or, or and then that would also make the college product better, because growing up for me, like JJ Redick, Rashad McCants, Tyler Hansborough, all of these names because they were there for three to four years. It made the college game better. Like you got villains develop, Adam Morrison, all these people, like the Duke J. Williams teams, like all of these things just built up and it made the college game better. And it didn't make the pro game better, but it made the college game more exciting, all that stuff. So are you fully on board with the college model where, hey, it's either the um one year in th- one year, go right to high school and wait three years. Like, are you okay with that? I would. I wouldn't be opposed to that. I, I think that gives them, because if they're good enough, then they go. But if not, then it gives them the opportunity to get them to get a degree, which I think is at least valuable to them. That's no, there's nothing. You're never going to regret getting a degree, especially if it's paid for. Um, mm-hmm. I just think we're getting closer and closer to the era where these guys are going to start getting paid. And I think, um, I think once they start getting paid or compensated in some way or can start making money off their likeliness or whatever, I think you might start seeing more players stay in college. That's what I would do. If you started paying, if started being able to pay, like we said on, you know, two weeks ago podcast, started paying them a little bit then it gives you you can treat them more as employees than slaves that you own because they gave you a signature when they were 18 mm, that's a real way to put it man that's a real way to put it and especially because they're already getting paid shady deals anyway like the FBI is involved involved in all this how do you make the, how do you give them the money i mean is it than football because instead of having 53 scholarship players you have or even I think it's like seventy scholarship players, actually, if I'm being correct, or something like that. You 85. Ha- 85. I'm even well below that. You have like ten. 
nine or ten scholarship guys. That's easy. That's easy to divide. The coach makes five million dollars. You can even say, "Hey, we'll give you take half a million, fifty k right there." You don't think that changes those kids' lives? Gives them more incentive to stay in school longer because then they're getting. You stay for four years, you're getting two hundred k, and you're you're getting paid to get a degree and improve yourself for your career. The NBA will be there. You can go whenever. That's just that just makes too much sense to me, honestly. It makes too much sense for all these people. Even if it's only 50K, make, then let them make le- money out their image. But that's another... St- well, I mean, bringing up the one-and-done rule, we'll open up these conversations, open the Pandora's box, these conversations, stuff like that. So I think that's a good, that's a good place to end it. We got our quote to name the episode off in the second thing. So Noah, final thoughts on life in general right now, Sports Week, just enjoying the turn to March. Yeah, the sports season is upon us. It's about to be awesome. We were just at a peak with the end of football season and cuz that's always great. I I mean it was lackluster ending, but the ride mm. to the Super Bowl was awesome. Yeah. Um in a lot of ways, especially in that championship round. Um but there's just a lot of, there's just a lot to look forward to. Springtime's going to be a good time. A lot of sunshine. Mm. It's on you. It, on the com- it's on you to get that uh, get that sports portfolio a little more diverse because I know you're not going to watch baseball. Baseball season is going to. I'm going to be talking about baseball a little bit. Uh, basketball's picking up. We got March. It's literally March. We got March Madness. We got golf getting up. I mean NBA. Just a lot of fun stuff. We got spring ball. You're going to be. Repo- I expect some live reports for you from a from Nebraska spring game which you're going to. There's a lot of stuff. It's not like, you know, the action and all that stuff, but it's there's still I mean, dude, we've been doing this since the middle of June. We've had top, we have we've had topics endless just come and we just talk, so. Noah, appreciate you joining me the day after my birthday. End Thank Feb- you for having la- me. Great way to end February. Great way to end the shortest month of the week of the year. Always, always. Take it easy and I'll be right back to finish this pod. <laughs>